Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room Pubisode. In this episode, we're debriefing last week's Mozart Musical Mystery Magical Cave with Holes. We'll also be talking about musical playback through the ages, and then bimble into history, including the Dark Ages, the Romans, and mechanization. And then finally, John will be sharing some incredibly sad stories from his professional life. Okay, so we are at the Beethoven Bar and Grill. Um, I think it's... John, you really love that name, don't you? It's just... Uh, it's my round. Uh, I'm having a... Uh, what am I having? I'm having a, a Level Head Session IPA from the Green King Brewery, which is actually delicious. It's the second box I've bought. That is a bright green yeah. can, Mike. It is. It's really nice. It's a 4% IPA, and it's just very drinkable. And very, I mean, Anna and I had some uh, last weekend, didn't we? And it was just... Yeah. yeah it sits easy. Really nice. Uh, and let's see. What's everybody else drinking? Anna, what can I get you? Um, so I'm drinking um, 19 oh. Primes. I don't know. Oh, we're talking. Come on now. <laughs> um the yeah, never-ending sponsorship tasty. pitch. We've we've put the kids through college. <laughs> I know. Have you not? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the crime on the cork was like Willy waving. <laughs> Why is that a crime? They put crimes um, on the cork. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, that's the yeah. There's um, 19 different it's ones. Like number 27. Uh, or... Wait, hang on. There's there's more than 19. But, um, no, <laughs> you, you, you pierced the veil. Although I did, I saw in the shop there's like expansions to this alcoholic. Collecting <laughs> <laughs> crimes. Yeah. I mean, the 19 yeah. crimes, gold and uh, silver. They're all, they're all based on eight, crimes from the 1800s in Australia. I'm pretty certain that willy waving would not have been a crime back then in Australia. Surely it'd be a virtue. Mm. <laughs> oh, it is true. Yeah, no, this bottle is from the expansion to the initial game. Yeah, it's the... Oh, nice. Ah. Good choice. Yeah, part aged in rum oh, barrels. That's nice, that one. Mm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. Send us Jamie, some 19 crimes. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie, what, what can I get you to drink, old chap? Um, I am drinking, not the greatest beer in the world, I am drinking a tribute, which is a very, very lovely... Hey. It was, yeah, one of those ones where you buy it purely because of the name, and then after a few beers, you go, actually, this is this is quite lovely. I genuinely like this. Hmm. I like that it takes a few beers to come to that realization. For, 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 you don't. At first, you this is terrible. Three beers later, this is great. <laughs> to be fair, most liquids that I put into my mouth uh, are like that after the, the second or third cup. Alcoholic and otherwise. That's how you pay for your way around Thailand. John, what can I uh, get you to drink, old chap? Uh, I'll have a um, double of Cape Verdean grog. <laughs> that is a real thing. Oh, my what? goodness. I wow. went to Cape Verde. Cape Verde? Cape Verde? I'm not sure which it is. But one of those two. And I brought home some grog, which is the local fire water. It's, it's the colour of so, this. Cape Verde is off the Cape Verde is off the west coast of Africa, near Dakar, and ends up with a ton of Saharan sands on it. It's an archipelago of I think ten islands. And uh, nobody lived there until the fifteenth century when the Portuguese found it. And it then had a rather brief and very dark period being a key part of the transatlantic slave uh, trade. And with that all being over, now a tourist destination for its lovely hey. beaches. And grog. So bottoms up, folks. Here we go. And grog. What percentage is it? <laughs> wow, it's that was double digits, at least, when they look at John's face. Christ. <laughs> it's high. I think your, eye, your eyebrows left your head. It's high. They, it's, they burst it's, through the roof. It's, it's 43%. Jesus. Um, 
I should have, I should have drunk less of this. Uh, this is, it's like there's not even any ice in there. There's a little. It's like um, oh, okay. it's like sort of slightly sugary whiskey, and it's made from sugar cane. Oh. So that makes sense. But yeah, I'd say the closest normal spirit that this is to is whiskey. Hmm. Okay. But it's um, yeah, maybe a little bit sweeter. It's mm. nice, actually. I'm warming to it. Yeah, I mean, just that initial facial oh, expression was very much the enamel is melting off my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Anything is good after the second or third glass. <laughs> they, they, um, so it, it, we on our holiday, it was a standard sort of all-inclusive jobby. So go and order whatever you like from the bar. And it's full of English people and German people and French people and whatnot. So when I asked for like what the local firewater is, and they, they, the guy looked at me and just shrugged and went, Grog. I said, okay, a double of grog, please. And I had to go to the, the reception desk for to get a new ream key or something. I went there, had my drink in my hand. And from the smell alone, she looked at me and said, you're drinking grog? <laughs> With genuine, like, what are you doing? <laughs> 12 people die a week on the stuff. <laughs> oh we use this to clean the floors, so yeah. you don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> when you first drunk it, you looked like the the man after he drank from the goblet, uh, from uh, what is it? The, the Holy Grail. Indiana the Jones. Oh, the, oh, the, the false the Holy Grail. <laughs> the one whose yeah. like flesh gets stripped off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, we are coming hot off the back of uh, last week's just now for us, but for you, last week's uh, escape room where you were all escaping from my musical cave cage or cage cave. Mm. Cage music cave, rage cage. some arrangement of those three three words. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you got out by the skin of your teeth with only minimal prompting. How'd you find it? I would like to compliment you on the amount of audio elements in mm-hmm. that room, not on how well they actually worked. <laughs> I blame Discord, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I I understand the blame of Discord because I once tried to play an accordion on this show and Discord speech recognition absolutely effed it. <laughs> uh, so I do understand the pain. Uh, but yeah, no, the amount of audio elements in an audio escape room was very pleasing. So uh, well done yeah. on that. But you have set the bar higher, yeah. now, Mike, and the, the rest of us must follow in your in your shadow. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I made most of those sounds. So the um the the tune in the music box, I played on like a little garage band app on my iPad. Nice. Um, and then yeah, the um yeah my my song about blowing and sucking holes um was just sort of wait you didn't just find that no do you know what that was an original <laughs> asset um and uh yeah assets a strong word <laughs> i've got my little soundboard up. I, basically i just had this idea that i really wanted to make a very audio heavy room the kind of the three uh, the three musical elements were the music box which had you correctly guessed the uh high low and medium notes which you got to i really like that because that that was yeah. definitely easiest solved by three people at least yeah yeah and that's it's very rare for a puzzle to actually genuinely really benefit from having multiple people doing the same thing at the same time and yeah making use of everybody yeah. <laughs> well, i i didn't think you were going to do that and that was spot on solid teamwork well done everybody What I was hoping you were all going to work together on was um, realising that you had nearly as many mouths as holes uh, and that's on the wall and that uh, that gummed things up for a little bit. (laughs) And then in my my head, the way that the the wall hole puzzle was going to work was you were going to go toot 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 and go, oh, only hole number two does a toot. And then you'd maybe try tooting two at once and you'd see that mod you were modifying the sound coming out of hole two yeah. with the other the other tutors 
But what you did was you tried all other holes apart from that hole and then went, ah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you try- and this, you, you were one away from the perfect solution with that as well, instantly. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. The puzzle involved saying a lot of things like, I'm going to blow and suck this. And I would like to speak to you. Myself. You guys added suck. What suck came what from really, you. <laughs> no, no. What really screwed us up there was we were in the middle of working on that and then we found the hose pipe. Mm. I think yeah. I think we went and we found the hose pipe at that point and and, and that and that distracted us. We're like, okay, so this must we've got a hole, we've got a pipe, this must interact mm. with it. There's water yeah. nearby, and we just completely lost our train of thought there. Mm. And then did that classic thing of treating it as if we tried everything to do with just blowing in them <laughs> when we hadn't. Oh. Yeah. You're right. Maybe the hose pipe was a distraction. Maybe it would have been better if it was a bucket that was too wide to fit through the bars to the waterfall. And then, well, I I don't think those pipes were distracting. Those pipes was fine. I think the the it like if we can call it an issue because I'm not I'm not even I'm not even kind of ready to call it a problem with the room. I don't think it is a problem with the room because had we been able to keep logically following what mm. we were doing to eliminate all possibilities, then then it would have been fine. Uh, the problem was that we abandoned that in the face of this other new shiny thing. I think the problem was when the hose pipe was found or the order that things happened in. Yeah. yeah, you didn't find the box until like way, way late. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. I, th- I think I, I think I specifically <laughs> said he's cro- over a box twice, and you guys were like, "Cool." Anyway, the message. And <laughs> right what, what are his bones doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but then when you when you got to that, you solved that really quickly. Kind of you grasped the solution. You solved my terrible drawing, um, which I was actually a little worried was going to confuse matters more. Basically, I didn't want to say. There's three wheels to this lock. One is low, one is medium, mm. one is high. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I felt that would give the game away. That's fair. And then, yeah, the water organ, um, once you realized it wasn't dead, a little bit of a nudge and you went caged. I was, I was so psyched for you there. And I was like, and bring yeah. it home. <laughs> I know. Ah. I, just, I, know. <laughs> I, I got a dawning realization when I realized that there was five dots <laughs> on the plaque. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Dead is. <laughs> oh, yeah, you already said hoping. that. And yet I was like... <laughs> Wait, Sam. Just like, Take it away, Anna. Like we, we, deci- we decided we the final fight. solution within the first 10 seconds of the game. We were like, right, yes. it's dead. That's what's going to be. Everything else is, is just decoration at this point. <laughs> Ignore all of these bars around us. And you were very specific about the bars being all the way around the room. Mm. Hence yeah. paged, which is very good. Well done, yeah. Jamie, for that. Because I, I, yeah. I was out of ideas. Jamie's been watching his. Oh, it's a blind panic, around. just looking at those mm. notes, going, gotta make a gotta make a five letter word out of this. What? Ah, brain, no. Um Do you want to hear some interesting things that were like informing that room? Because it wasn't all just hell yeah. Bume hole. Yeah. So water organ, genuinely a thing. In oh. fact, all of this builds towards a rant. Oh, uh, hello. About okay. basically we should have had music playback a long time ago and we only had it relatively recently in historic terms so the water organ genuine thing um basically it's a hydraulic organ where the air is driven by water i took some artistic license with how it actually worked it probably didn't have like a european keypad on uh it may have just been a case that you block certain holes and they used it less to create music and more to sort of replicate bird song uh but the ancient greeks used it um and it was probably around between 300 to 100 bc so that as a device is pretty cool Nice. Music boxes, on the other hand, have only really been around since the late 1700s, the early 18th century. So that's just a basically any sort of uh, music, automated music playback device. That's, you know, we've only had them for a few hundred years. What the fuck? 
It's a big cylinder, isn't it, that turns yeah, and notches yes. and notches hit a Yeah, so the early people. ones are a comb and like a, a cylinder, as you say. And as the cylinder goes, the notches hit the comb and it flicks the comb and it sort of does a plucking motion. But here's the insane thing. Like, we've had all of the equipment for this as a species for a lot longer. And we only got music boxes. We only got automated music playback in the 18th century because the Greeks had formed like something very similar to clockwork even earlier. They had the... Uh, I need to get the name of this right because I was mispronounced it. Uh, the Antikorithia, mm. Antikorithra mechanism, which was uh, a very early computer, but it's essentially clockwork. Um, it's like not like spring-loaded drown clockwork, but it was a device that you could use that used cogs, very beautifully finely tuned cogs to do um, like celestial calculations. But you had the equipment there that you could have used to, for example, automate opening and closing on a water organ to make music playback. Like they had the technology. And then modern clockwork, as in clockwork that, you know, turns into watches and things, that was around from the, fuck, when was it? That was around from the 13th to 14th century. So they had like the equipment for that for hundreds of years and then didn't quite go, oh, we could use this to Mm. play music back. And it's crazy because then, you know, plucking instruments have been around since at least 18,000 BC, wind instruments, 43,000, and we only really got proper music playback in the 1800s. Like, just how insane is that? It's classic pushback on automation. This is chat GPT for the 18th century. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what is yeah. what? Supposed to be playing music for us, but what are all these bards for? You'll get them out of a job. <laughs> Fuck off, Da Vinci. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not It's not just that, Jamie. The steamship suffered the same fate. The steamship was actually invented during the Elizabethan period by a Frenchman who sailed his steamship to London, successfully demonstrated it before Queen Elizabeth, uh, in the late 1500s. Oh, wow. And she thought it was very impressive, but her criticism of it was, and what will happen to all the water boatmen? Mm. Uh, and when he yeah. sailed it back to France, he was attacked and his invention destroyed uh. by water boatmen. And he died in penury. I can't remember the man's name, but yeah, the steamship was very nearly invented, or was invented, by a Frenchman oh, in the 1500s. It's crazy, isn't it? A good 200 years we, before it We really could have had up. Tudor steampunk. It would have been an amazing aesthetic. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Dock workers. Yeah. Imagine yeah. ruining our lives. Wow. That's the thing. There's so much stuff from the Renaissance that you go, oh, the Renaissance was this huge kind of point. And it's more like, no, no, it was just like, it's finally things picked up back again after the Greeks. Mm. And I know that there's this yeah. whole... Hence, you know, Renaissance. Well, yeah, and this whole thing about like, the Dark Ages kind of looking back to kind of Galen and everybody being like, oh, yeah, they had the, the shit and laughing. And they're like, ha! They thought that you could cure syphilis with hippopotamus milk or something. But at the same time, it's like, fuck, progress had really stopped then. Like, really stopped. We were back to dung for yeah. dinner. I'm quite pissed about that now. The, yeah. The steamship... Uh... Yeah, I am. Yeah, too. it's brutal. I'm. I mean, I'm. Check, nasty, check yeah. me, but I'm pretty sure about this because I read it in a book and not on Facebook, which means it might actually be true. Um, was, was it? Was it Tudor steampunk? <laughs> no, no, no. I think it was in. It was either in Why Nations Fail or in Prisoners of Geography. It was no. It wasn't in Prisoners of Geography. Sorry, that's that's rubbish. That's a great book, but it's um. That's a great book. That fun fact predicts the war in Ukraine with eerie accuracy. Ooh. Um. And basically, literally says, if Ukraine leans too far to the West, Putin will not hesitate. He will invade. Two years after that was written, oh, he invaded. Um, yeah, yeah. No, the, the yeah. guy who wrote Prison Geography called the Ukraine conflict correctly with frightening accuracy. Uh, but hey, um, no, I think it was Why Nations Fail, which is a fascinating book about the... Um, well, it, they tried to delve into the like geographical and economic and, and social reasons why 
certain nations have done very well and certain nations with apparently very similar biological and geographical conditions have not done well at all but yeah the steamship comes up in that and it's um it's a really sad story like this guy figures out how to make steam locomotion work with a ship sails it to london from france across the sea to demonstrate and it gets smashed i mean that, that's that's a classic if you got a good idea never tell the british because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna fuck <laughs> you up pretty sure i i don't think it's smashed by the british i think it's smashed by by his own uh, Don Pesa. Uh, and he's beaten up and that's the end of it he was probably, he was probably yeah, like we could the raise the pension age with this yeah, so it's second lesson don't piss yeah. off the French <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's the Luddites it's people smashing um, spinning jenny spinning jennies thank you uh, and anti-mechanization it, it's that but uh, but yeah one of those forgotten might have well there we go that's a new goal for time travel never mind killing Hitler I want to punch a French dark worker <laughs> an Elizabethan <laughs> French dark worker, not the modern ones. Yeah, it's always killing Hitler, isn't it? It's always, oh, if you go back in time, kill Hitler. I mean, there's there's competing theories of history on whether that would actually change anything at all. So you want to punch a water boatman, which is the 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 human ones, not yeah. Well, I'll do both. Yes, just just to just to True. cover all my bases. <laughs> That'd be such a terrible one, wouldn't it? It's like you give like your time travel agent a very specific instruction. To, I need you to punch a water boatman in France. And they come back just like with this squashed bug on their fist. And they're like, yeah, that'd be 16 billion dollars, please. <laughs> and you're there saying, we had one time machine. One. And one And it charge. turns out that water boatman somehow was responsible for the, the creation of time travel. Stupid butterfly effect. <laughs> I'm I'm very interested, Michael, in your that your your point about mechanization and how early an awful lot of mechanization happened. I'm reading a book at the moment called The Inheritance of Rome, and it's about it's about the Dark Ages. It's about what happens in Europe and in wider Europe at, after the Roman Empire, you know, quote unquote, collapses. And um, one thing that's really striking in the book is the intricate gifts that intricate devices that some of the like rulers and kings and and uh yeah rules around outer europe have in their court at that time there's like mechanical clocks and and things that mechanical birds come out of and sing and stuff that's far far more advanced than anything that i'd previously thought of being around back then i just sort of thought it was all i mean the dark ages you know you know lots of illiterate people with swords going around and killing each other in the name of various gods well there was a lot of um and jamie feel free to correct me on this with your history hat on but I know particularly in um, sort of Dark Ages Britain, a lot of the remaining Roman buildings and monuments uh, were attributed to giants and gods, weren't they? Mm. Sort of to mystical beings, because it was just like, we could never build anything like this. And it wasn't a case that we're like, oh, Romans built that. It was like, ah, well. I don't think it's Britain. I think it's Gaul. How is it Gaul? Because I've heard that quote before. Uh... And I'm pretty sure it's from Gaul. But I, the, but the quote is, is true. There were writings about like the locals seeing these aqueducts and assuming they were built by a race of giants. Fun fact, uh, we we can't make, I think it's concrete, no, cement. We can't make cement as well as the Romans. We can, no. Very recently. Oh, no, yes, because they worked it out. Yes, they worked it out. It's because it's a very high density of ground up um, like mollusks in it or something crazy, isn't it? Oh, I thought they were using like something like some precursor to asbestos. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 They had a few missteps, the Romans. Lead pipes, asbestos. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Bronchiitis, come forth. <laughs> Build me a bridge. The thing with the Dark Ages as well is that it's a very Western European thing. Like, mm, yeah, you go... Thing, yeah, the Arabic world is having... Yeah, they're loving it. 
Oh yeah, that that's we're, we're, we're stuff. All we're of them in the streets at that point, but where the point they yeah they invented the vast majority of stuff we still use today. But yeah, we we wouldn't dare to even think that uh, anybody other than us could have culture and mathematics and whatnot. <laughs> mm. And it's not that they invented during the Arabic dark ages. Novel. Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> there are a bunch of plagues happening, weren't there, during the dark ages? So if you think about how the world kind of ground to a bit of a halt just with COVID. Yeah. And they were just having them all the time. Quarantines. Pro- they probably Friday. were just like, oh, shit. Is there any point keeping a diary? <laughs> <laughs> like... God, can you imagine a, a, a Dark Ages Zoom call, the equivalent of that? Just oh, that's another fucking Friday quiz with a fam in the house again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun fact. Um, Post-Dark Ages was one of the uh, the best times in history for um, standard living for the working class going up. Ah, really? Yeah, yeah, kind of like your your surf before industrialization. Yeah, your surf style yeah. class labor was massively, massively in demand. They suddenly found themselves with significantly better bargaining rights, and various landowners were having to actively compete to uh, get them to work and live. Because there was nobody yeah. left. Yeah, 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 no, no, you're right. Population. <laughs> they were just like, "There's four of us. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna... You better treat us right, <laughs> Millard. Yeah. But f- no, I can well believe that. I mean, there's the old old thing with. Uh, the hunter-gatherer lifestyle, the sort of pre-civilization, pre-settled lifestyle, was actually significantly healthier than the the first, the initial settled lifestyle, mm. because disease was much less prevalent and the nutrition was much more balanced. Yeah, mm. like people were living longer and doing a bit better before they settled down into towns and eventually cities. Oh, I have a tangentially. Oh yes. Ooh. I know. <laughs> it's it very barely relevant to where we started from but um you know the way the medieval classes uh castles are usually portrayed in a kind of like uh media you know films and whatnot you know just bare brick walls and things like that with the little windows and, and whatnot mm-hmm. um they their interior design style was more akin to like a 90s baby in that they had primary colors just oh, yeah. plastered all over the place really? they would plaster their yep they well they they paint they plaster all of the interior walls of a castle like white and then you know in some place in some places they'd paint them bright primary colors just huh. extremely gaudy were the uh medieval that's so uh, cool that's pretty cool interior design yeah we found some images where they'd recreated um you know they found some very very old furniture where all the paint had kind of all flecked off but they're able to recreate what it used to look like and yeah not 90s bedroom 90s oh, kids bitching. Bedroom. i love that it's like the interior so cool. <laughs> it makes so much sense yeah I, I would love to see a fully restored castle 100 percent restored to its original state where it is just an eyesore and people are freaking out. I would not love to smell a fucking <laughs> store. <laughs> well, interesting you say that. There's a recent yeah. podcast I've been listening to with um, Tony Robinson. He started a podcast called The Cunning Cast. Mm. And the cool. most recent episode, um, it, like, the podcast itself is great because he gets just random people that he knows from all his disparate interests because he's an amazing person. Uh, the most recent one is what did history smell like? And he's talking to two people who are like scent designers for histories. Uh, institutions and museums and stuff so you could very well do a full recreation of what uh, a medieval castle <laughs> smelt like do you reckon like everybody after a while just starts to smell like dog because like dogs can go for ages without a bath and after a while they just sort of hit a nice middle tone of just smelling like dog <laughs> i think i think there's a so we have a smell in this house bear with me and we only smell it when we come back after some time away mm. 
and we noticed it. We think it comes from the cellar. We're not sure, but there's definitely some, there's something there. I mean, Mike, you're going to be in my house relatively soon, so I'm interested ahead of time in your thoughts on that. Like when you walk in the door, do you well, smell? Uh, John, I know what's happened in your cellar as well, so I can probably hasten the guess <laughs> what the, uh, the smell is. How did we come to this? <laughs> that's going to be in the, uh, that's going to be a patrons only one that is. We'll, up, we'll the upload the video. Reveal. Yeah, it's out there. The video of me um, very unwisely undoing the rotting eye, which is basically a hatch on the soil pipe, which is basically a poo pipe, on my downstairs bathroom and misjudging where the blockage in the pipe On was. your earth floor cellar. On my birthday. On your birthday. In 2021. I was at the dentist. <laughs> I was having a and feeling. Filming. I was so happy. <laughs> And because I was doing a little DIY John video for Mike and the lads, uh, I was filming the entire thing, and it is <gasps> it is an audio feast. It's wonderful. Let it's me tell wonderful. you, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Anywho, um, but yeah, what what I was getting at was that if you live with a smell, however subtle or, or bad it is, you, you quickly just become used to it. Everyone had that friend when they were a kid whose house just sort of stank. Uh, if you I, didn't, then you were that friend. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't, exactly. And they have no idea because they, they live in that. So I think however bad the medieval period or the dark ages or whatever, or castles smelt, and it probably was quite bad, the people in it would have had no idea. It is meant to be the no most idea. adaptive It would have just been... Your old yeah, it would have just been mm. Tuesday for them. <laughs> okay, so that sounds like those last orders. Uh before we piss off out of here, does anybody have anything spicy or bizzling? I, I, I'm fizzed up from last episode, so I'm good. I, uh, I mean, a little while ago now, like a few weeks ago, I quit my job at a local escape room to me. Um, and I was sad to quit it because we just opened a second room and I put in a ton of creative energy into that room, uh, into making that happen and finally getting the damn thing over the line and open. Uh, so yeah, I was pretty sad to let it go, but I'd had to go away and do a theater gig for a bit and come back. And it was a kind of an appropriate time to go. Okay. That's the end of that chapter. But the reason I let it go, I, I think is perhaps worthy of more discussion. And that's about escape rooms as a business and as a, as an enterprise. And they're kind of, they're, they're a bit busted. I think in that you, you've basically got two camps. You've got escape rooms as a labor of love run and owned by the same people so these sort of one man two man or three man bands that they they love this thing they built everything in here and they run it and and that's their that's their thing and they're i think okay and if you've got escape rooms with like eight or ten rooms in a venue or over two venues where it's just about volume and they've got like three copies of the same room and you can have three teams racing each other at the same time and they've they've kind of scaled it up and i think they there's usually much less love in those rooms and they're much more cookie cutter. Um, and the, but everyone sort of in the middle, I, I think can't really function because you have to, you have to either be, you have to be either be willing to run the room and do everything yourself, or you have to have an army of people and have a massive, you know, scale it up hugely to make any money or to make the thing work. And we were trapped in this sort of middle ground where the owner of the business kind of want, liked the idea of having an escape room, but didn't really want to run it himself. And it wasn't big enough to have a salaried person really doing that. And we really struggled finding people that could could work in it and and be good, basically. Be any good. On on a on a gig on a gig deal. 
I guess, yeah. which is the thing. On a gig deal. There's, yeah, there's lots of great people out there, deal. but it's like great people who are willing to work on a gig deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's still running for now. I don't know how much longer it's going to be running. I know there's a question mark hanging over it with with me gone. And that's not on an act of ego, like the, the guys said that to me. Um, but yeah, I was a, a bit sad about it. But at the same time, kind of realized that it's probably not right for a business to be propped up by one of its employees who doesn't really have a stake in the business. And I think that's where we were at. I think that that I was propping this thing up without without really having a, a, a good enough financial stake in, in it being successful. Uh, so probably the right thing to let it go, but still sad. It is. And a shame to put a load of creative effort into creating something and then not be a part of it anymore. That's quite weird. Not like a, a theatre gig, like a theatre gig or an acting gig kind of ends when you end with it, but it's not like someone else then goes and runs the thing for ages. It just tends to sort of end. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my big change lately. And on that high note, <laughs> mm, I felt like a, that felt like a precursor, John, to you being like, and while I'm stepping away from things I love, fuck you all. Goodbye, podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, though, like the Last Orders at the pub definitely has to have a maudlin element to it because that's where you're at when Last Orders gets called. Like, psychologically, you're on the downward spiral. Hell no. It's, no, no, no. It's kebab, then drinks back at mine. We're going, out to the, we're going out of the pub, but into the club. Yeah, boy. <laughs> that's for the OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Kart Mario Kart and whatever we can get from the offie just saying that sounds alright doesn't it all night does it's going to be amazing that sounds good that does, that does plug in with Mike's theory of where good escape rooms coagulate and that's basically mm -hmm. the more likely you are to get knifed in an area the better the escape rooms that's yes pretty solid actually yeah Newport's opened one recently and it's pretty damn good Basically, it's the lower the business rate because you're really likely mm. to get knifed there. And, you know, kind of the, the lack of sort of decent, flexible employment opportunities for people who are too good to be there, really. Because that's the intersect you need. You need a cheap bit of space and you need people who are a little bit underemployed, to be honest, who are a bit brilliant and happy to work slightly iffy hours, but do a kind of, you know, do a fun thing that they love. And, you know, potentially in that area, actually be able to support themselves on that kind of gig. Mm. And they don't, and they don't make enough to get robbed on the reg. So it doesn't matter about it being rough. Yeah, and also if they do get and robbed, they did get locked. robbed. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, try it. I'll give you a hint in five. <laughs> yeah. okay. the, like, imagine that someone tries to mug you, and you go, okay, you see in front of you. <laughs> the only robbery where the GM just interrupts halfway through to be like, I'm. Just, this is agony, right? Okay. Combination for the code. Did you check the pockets of the jacket? Did you search everything in the room? Yeah, yeah. How many times did he wink at you? Yes. <laughs> and in what order? There's an escape room idea that's not happened yet. You have to mug a person in 60, <laughs> 60 minutes, but get get every single shred yeah. of paper and coin out of them. And they, they turn out to be like Houdini and they're covered in locks and chains. <laughs> I was thinking much more violent. I was thinking like a combined rage room and escape room, like <laughs> mugging someone just like... Yep. Ah! Well, they... <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a snuff film, Michael. You're, that's what you're describing. That's why I like those so One, much. One thing I'd like I'd love to see in escape rooms is do a normal escape room. But if you finish more snuff, but um, there's not enough snuff in escape rooms. Damn it! Oh, like, but when you finish, so the problem is that escape rooms the, the only value for money if you're terrible at them because then you get the full hour. So mm. if you finish say 20 minutes early, you get that time back as bonus time in a rage room or something similar. 
So you get your full hours experience, and the better you are the escape room, the more time you get to smash shit up. You are quite right about this, that the be- the more you do and the better you get at them, the quicker you do them, so the less value for money there is. Mm. And like uh, in in my time working one, I had a few teams come through with like hundreds of mm. games under their belts, and they had very different philosophies about this. Some of them were basically zen about it and going, yeah, we've done 150 rooms, so we tend to be out in 25 minutes. And if we we figure if we're out in less than 20 minutes, then it's probably not very good for him. But if we're out in half an hour, we're okay with that because that's just where we're at. And some teams were just much more childish about it and much more like, no, this is bad value for money. This is too easy. And they're like, yeah, it's too easy for you, Rain Man. <laughs> I think that's massively undervaluing having your ego strokes. We, we finished an escape room in just over half an hour. And I came out of that floating. <laughs> like you like genuinely i could have paid six times that amount for some sort of massage with a happy ending and felt less happy than i came out of that room <laughs> and you came out of okay i should probably wrap this up here that wasn't I? an escape room okay Mike. everybody <laughs> the barman's the barman's not just looking at us having called last orders but he's actually gone home the lights are off um and the alarm is making some interesting beeping sounds oh that happened to me once that, no, John, we're going home. We're out of story. No, no, no. Story no, time is no, no, no. finished. I, I was looking up in the escape room, which is in the basement of an old bank, and I was cleaning, cleaning the floor, doing all the stuff. And then I came out of the like locked door into the main area of the bank, and it was totally dark. There was no one there. The doors were locked. Everything was silent. It was freaky as hell. And basically, the bar had just, bar staff had just been like, yeah, we're done waiting for him. We're just going to go. And no one had told me. <laughs> No one had come down to just stuck their head in the door and say, okay, John, we're going home. We'll leave the alarm off or anything. No, I just came out into this eerie silence, into the dark. Well, they probably just thought, well, he's used, he's, oh. he knows how to escape shit. They'd be fine. We'll lock up. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Okay, let's head off into the night. Uh, and listeners, thank you very much for joining us for this little drink at Beethoven's Bar and Grill. We hope you enjoyed the episode and, in fact, all of our episodes. If you really like the show and you want to support us, then head on over to patreon.com slash the infinite escape room where there's unedited episodes, um, bonus content, um, and access a week. Lightly uh, edited episodes. Lightly edited, uh, lightly unedited, unedited episodes from John because, <laughs> let's be fair, you know, it's really hard to podcast <laughs> from jail. Like a trial. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really, really, really hard to podcast from jail. Um, Anyway, we love you lots, and we'll see you next time on the Infinite Escape Room. Bye-bye now. Tatty bye. No star. Okay, who would like a Macca's on the way back? What's everybody having from Macca's? Oh, it's good. Ooh. Oh, McSpicy, please. McSpicy. McSpicy? What? What's that? It's a spicy chicken burger. It's banging. Ooh. It's a lie. Anna, what are you having? Uh, probably a quarter pounder. No, what's the big... I'll have a big Mac. I'll have a big taste. Well, to be honest, usually it would be just the single burger on its own. The cheapest one. That's a quarter pound. No, that's a cheeseburger. That's that's just just a... Oh, just a cheeseburger. Yeah, I'll just get a cheeseburger. Just sit on the railing.